Our scripture passage today comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. Before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the word that you have given to us, Lord. The word made flesh in Jesus Christ, the word that you have caused to dwell in our hearts. And this word you have written down over the centuries to guide us and to instruct us and to show us your ways. But Father, we ask now for the same spirit that illuminated these words to illuminate our hearts now. That we may hear, that we may read, and that we may understand. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's an unspoken tradition that uh, we human beings have for almost any celebration or party that, that we engage in. And that unspoken tr tradition is this. It always falls to one person to do almost all the work. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're doing something with your family or with friends. It always seems that there's one person that has the burden of doing most of the work of a celebration. And, and I think it's just human nature. Maybe it's that one person that seems to do it all, then everyone else just sits back and lets them do it and kind of do it their way. But I know it's an old tradition because it happened in the Bible too. All the way back in Bible days, there was that one person always doing most of the work for a party or a celebration. 
And, and I know it because there was a story in the Bible about it. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha are, are two sisters, and Jesus goes to their house. And so there's this you know, famous teacher at the house. It's a big celebration. Lots of people are there to hear Jesus speak. Now, like a good host, Martha is doing all the work. Martha is getting everything ready. She's doing the cleaning. She's making sure people are comfortable and got their seats. She's serving all the food. Like I said, she's doing all the work. Now, unfortunately, her sister Mary is not helping. Her sister Mary is not doing her part. Instead, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as you could probably expect, Martha is not happy about this. She's not happy that she's having to do all the work and there's her sister just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. So finally she gets so fed up with it. She has to come to Jesus and she says, Jesus, are you seeing this? Do you see what my sister is doing? I'm doing all the work and she's just sitting there. Now apparently Martha was hoping that Jesus would say, Mary, she's right, go help your sister. Do your part. But Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus rebukes Martha. Now, it's a mild rebuke, but he does rebuke Martha. That's Martha, Martha. You were anxious about many things. But your sister has chosen the better way. And I'm not going to take that from her. So between Mary and Martha, which one represents your Christmas? Which one exemplifies and symbolizes your Christmas the best? Is it a Martha Christmas or more like a Mary Christmas? Now, when you have a Martha Christmas, you know what a Martha Christmas is going to be. Now, Martha Christmas is you're running around. You're always worried about getting things done. You're having to do all the shopping, make sure you get the wrapping. Who's going to be going where for what day for Christmas? Someone staying here. Is the guest room ready? Do you have new sheets on that? Are all the decorations out? Oh, there's lights that have gone out right there on the roof. Who's going to get up there and change the lights? What about the food? What are we having? Who's bringing what? Do we have enough food? Is anyone bringing rolls? What about the green bean casserole? Who's got the ham? Always got busy, all the stuff going on. As a Merry Christmas, as you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, adoring the newborn king, enjoying the holiday. That's a Merry Christmas. And you get what I said there? A Merry Christmas? Kind of like Mary the person and then Mary like Merry Christmas? Yeah. Never mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to X that off. I'm not going to do that joke. That didn't work. But I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, yes, we're supposed to have a Merry Christmas, but I'm going to tell you something. These presents aren't going to wrap themselves. The tree's not going to decorate itself. Somebody has got to get out there and do all this work. And I know this. And Jesus, Jesus knew it too. Okay, when he rebuked Martha, he didn't rebuke her because, oh, you're doing too much work or you're doing this work at all. That's not why Jesus rebuked Martha. He rebuked Martha because he says, and I quote, you are anxious about many things. That was Martha's issue is that she was anxious about many things. And sometimes the biggest barrier 
that we have into celebrating a Christmas as it should be celebrated is not that we have too much to do and it's not that we have a lot to do. The problem is we are anxious about many, many things. We allow ourselves to get anxious and stressed out. We get burdened by the busyness, all the busyness that we have of the holiday, and we neglect the time to be like Mary and sit at the feet of Christ. So we've been damaged in our culture with this thinking that more is better. That whatever you have, if you have a little bit more of it, that's always going to be better. If you got a house, more house is better. If you got a car, more car is better than a little bit of car. And we've taken that thinking and we've, and we've imposed it onto Christmas that more is better. If decorations are good, more decorations are better. If one party's good, a lot of parties are better, especially a big party. If lights are good, well, we need to put up enough lights so the airplanes don't know where they're going anymore because they can't find the runway. We've messed up air traffic control. And of course, if presents are good, more presents are always better, right? But for many of us, we end up doing so much and being so anxious about doing a lot and doing more. When the day finally arrives, we're either too exhausted or too stressed out to sit at the feet of Christ and enjoy what he is giving to us. This Advent, we are engaged in what we call the Advent Conspiracy. And that's the conspiracy to put Christ back in Christmas. And last week we looked at the first part of that, which is to worship fully, to bring our lives as worship to Jesus. And this week, the key to putting Christ back in Christmas is spending less. Now, at, at one point, at, at some level, that means what it means on the surface, spending less, which is spending less money. But I'm going to challenge you to do something else, and it might sound wrong at first, but I want you just to think about it for a little bit. I want us to not only think about spending less money for this holiday, but also spending less, I'll call it effort. Now, I know that sounds wrong. Wait, wait a minute, wait, wait. What do you mean spending less effort? We should give effort to God. We should give energy to God. This is good. We're celebrating and we're doing stuff for Jesus. So doing a lot and putting a lot of effort to it is really good, isn't it? Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love extravagance. I love big parties. I love the great decorations. I love sometimes even going over the top with it. But you have to admit, it needs a limit. It needs some sort of a limit because without a limit, it will eventually become about the decorations and the presents and the lights and not enough about Christ. If we don't put limits on how we're celebrating, on the money we're spending and the effort and the time we're spending on this holiday, we can get so wrapped up in the work and so wrapped up in this begin, the spending that we will quickly and easily forget why we're doing this. In the first place is to celebrate Jesus. See, Martha was anxious and stressed out about the work. And in doing so, she missed a golden opportunity. 
She missed a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit at the feet of Christ. And we can get into that same mistake. It's so obsessed with the work and the pieces and the parts that go into the celebration that we miss this opportunity to not only spend it with our family and our friends, but to sit at the feet of Christ. The prophet Micah once answered the question if more was better. If bringing more meant more dedication to God, if making a bigger celebration meant that we were somehow giving more to God and being more pious and holy. See, this is the back of the day when you had to bring a sacrifice to God. And people would bring a ram, and they would, they would slaughter the ram and, and, and present it as a sacrifice on the altar of God. And they would also come and they'd bring oil, and they would spread oil on the altar of God as a sacrifice. This, this was a celebration. And so some people thought, well, if one ram is good, then two is better, and five is better than two, and ten rams are better than five rams. And if I bring a gallon of oil, then two gallons of oil are better, and ten gallons of oil are even better than that, and I can make it bigger to make it a bigger celebration of God. And so God even asks, he says, am I going to be happy with not only one ram, but 10,000 rams? Or what about 10,000 rivers of oil? Is that going to make me happy? And God answered his own questions. He said, no, this is what I want from you. I want you to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with thy God. Extravagance doesn't bring us any closer to God. And in fact, sometimes the more we do just adds more worry. The more we try to do adds more stress. The more extravagant we make our Christmas, all we give ourselves is more worry for the season. And the more worry we give ourselves, the less we can celebrate Christ. Now some of you might be wanting to give me a very practical question right now. Okay, if we're not supposed to do too much, then how much is too much? We're going to do some, right? How do I know when I've crossed the line that I've spent too much money or I've spent too much time and effort on the busyness of the holiday? Tell me, give me something I can go on where I know how much is too much. There's a perfect way to tell. There's a perfect way to tell if you're spending too much money and time and busyness and effort on the season. Great way to tell. How are you feeling about this upcoming Christmas? How are you feeling about it? How are you feeling as the holiday approaches? Are you feeling stress? Are you feeling anxiety? Or are you feeling a sense of peace and joy about the upcoming holiday. Well, if you've got nothing but stress and anxiety when you think about the upcoming Christmas holiday, maybe you're doing something wrong. Maybe it's time to step back for a minute and evaluate how much you're spending. See, Jesus wants to give you a gift this Christmas. He has a gift that he's eagerly waiting to give you. It is one of his favorite presents to give his disciples. In fact, it was the very last thing he gave them. In the Gospel of John, as, as Jesus is giving his farewell address to his disciples at the Last Supper, he gives them one last present, and that's the one he wants to give you. 
and it's the gift of peace. Jesus told his disciples, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And he wants you to have this peace for the holidays. He doesn't want to give you stress. He doesn't want to give you anxiety. He wants to give you his peace. See, the great thing about the peace is once you have that, not only for the holidays, but for life, then you start to want less. When you have peace, you start to actually need less. When you have peace, you're not concerned with what you don't have or what your neighbor has or having too much or having enough. When you have peace, you're not bothered with ambition. When you have peace, you're not harried and driven to get more, to spend more, to do more, to achieve more. When you have peace, you have, well, peace. You have a contentment going right down to the center of your heart. When you have peace, you can sit at the feet of Christ and enjoy the moment for what it is. When you have peace, you can even let the dishes wait for tomorrow. You can even wait to clean up another day and say, today we're going to celebrate His coming into the world. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because I've talked with you about this. And some of you are thinking, I can have my peace when everything's done. That's when I get my peace. When the house is clean, when the dishes are washed, when everything is organized and put away like it's supposed to, that's when I have my peace. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. But answer this question and just answer it honestly. Not to me, but to yourself. How long does it last? How long until you find something else that's got to get done right now? How long does that peace last with you? You see, Christ's peace is an unconditional peace. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what needs to be done. It's your peace because it's His. This reading I gave to you out of Philippians today, Paul talks about this peace and he he describes it in these extravagant terms. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding a peace that is so great it is even hard to understand how a human being can achieve this level of peace and he tells us we get this peace by bringing our supplications to god with thanksgiving as we give our troubles and we give our anxieties to god and the peace comes not just by giving it to him but our peace comes in realizing he is going to take it for us He will take our troubles, he'll take our anxieties, he'll take our worries, and we can leave them with him. And then he gives us the real secret to having this peace. And this is what he says in verse 11. He says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whatever's going on, whatever I have to do, whatever I've left undone, whatever's happening in my life. He says, whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Our peace comes in realizing 
that Jesus is enough to make our life everything that it is supposed to be. Our peace comes in realizing that Jesus is enough to make our life everything that it is supposed to be. And to translate it to the holidays, our peace comes in knowing that Jesus is enough to make everything, Christmas, everything that it is supposed to be this year. You know what you need to do? You know what you need to have a perfect Christmas? Christ. That's what you need. To have the perfect Christmas. And when we realize that, we discover the secret that Paul discovered. I can have a lot or I can have a little bit. I can have a meager meal or I can have a feast. I can have a humble celebration or I can have a wild party. I can do all or either of these things because I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it Because I already have Christ who strengthens me. When we come to realize this, when we come to accept it, all the things, all the busyness of Christmas gets put in its place. All the busyness of Christmas gets put in the place because we already have the perfect Christmas. We don't have to make it perfect already have the perfect holiday and so when we hang lights we don't have to hang lights to make the christmas perfect we have to we hang lights because we already have the light of the world and that is sufficient when we decorate we don't have to decorate to make the perfect christmas we decorate because our hearts are already adorned with the grace of god it's the greatest decoration of all when we give gifts we don't have to worry about having the perfect present for everybody because we already have the perfect gift in Christ Jesus. And the best part about that is we don't feel like we have to give too much or work too much or stress too much about the season. We can spend less because we have more. We can spend less because we have everything. This is what I want you to take away from this lesson today. If you remember nothing else, remember this. You already have everything you need for an abundant life. You already have everything that you need for a perfect Christmas. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you have a big family or a small family, whether you have 50 gifts, gifts to hand out or just one person to give a present to, Your Christmas is perfect because you already have Christ. For this season, receive the gift that Jesus wants to give you, his peace. Receive the secret he wants to give you, the secret to being in plenty and in want, the secret to being in abundance or need, the secret to being lifted up, And the secret to being brought low. The secret to having an extravagant Christmas or a humble celebration. You can do all things through Him who strengthens you.
To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.